G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-oriented, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at reedgoosens.com. And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Residential assisted living has been going on for decades, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, And when my father first heard about it, you know, there was someone on the front of the stage and he was at an event and they said, you should get into assisted living. And my dad asked him, hey, can you help me? I want to get started in this industry. And the guy said, well, I don't do it. I just think you should do it. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. So 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Emmanuel Gorino. Emmanuel is the number one realtor for residential assisted living in the state of Arizona. It's also known as RAL. He works alongside his wife to buy and sell more RALs than anyone else in the state of Arizona. Pretty impressive. Uh, Emmanuel trains and teaches at the Real Estate Assisted Living Academy, and he's a sought-after coach and trainer for all things related to RAL. He has extensive background on health and wellness, and as well as extensive experience in raising capital and closing on senior housing projects. Senior housing is Emmanuel's passion, and his mission is to help our elderly population age with dignity. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Emmanuel. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, I'm doing terrific. Thank you for having me. Mate, my pleasure. Um, before we dive deep into your background, which is senior housing or investing in senior housing, do you want to rewind the clock and uh, tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> and I was uh, thinking about that, you know, uh, before I was getting on the show and, and I had to really rewind the clock. And when I was around fifth or sixth grade, uh, all the way back then, my friends and I, we actually had a band and we actually made a CD in the fifth or sixth grade and we sold it to our friends at school and uh, I think about $5 per, per person and things like that. And you know, we made, you know, 50 to $100, different things like that. And, and it was good. It was fun. And so I guess you could say I was a professional musician in the fifth or sixth grade. But, uh, you know, it just kind of has that entrepreneurial type? spirit. What, was it a mixtape? No, it was, we had a band. We, oh, I was a drummer, band, we had yeah. a guitar, bass, and uh, I, won't, uh, I won't ever give away any more of those CDs because uh, someone could blackmail <laughs> me with them. But, uh, but it was pretty good for fifth or sixth grade. What, we were the what was the name of the band? What was, what was the name? Our, you know what? Our band name, it was Viewpoint. That was, I don't Viewpoint. know why. I don't know who came up with it, but we said, that works. That's pretty cool. When you're in fifth grade, that, that was and, a cool and, name. And fifth grade would be, what, 10, 11 here, right? Uh, yeah. Somewhere around, it was so, like, it, we were pretty young. So it was pretty yeah. impressive for the time, but, you know, we weren't too good. Like, like, <laughs> pre, like, like pre-moody teen. Like you weren't kind of in that. Yeah. Oh, poor me, and I got to have music to, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> as an outlet. It just like it was just a thing that you did, right? Yep, that's awesome, right. awesome, man. Well, mate, take us through the journey of how where you've got to today. Your your background, what you go to school for, and how'd you get involved in senior housing investing? Yeah, well, I went to school uh, in college and I studied uh, for a degree in wellness, and I wanted to be a physical therapist at the time, and you know, found out maybe that wasn't the right path for me there. And I'd always wanted to be in real estate. I loved real estate. I loved health and wellness. And, you know, I was like, ah, should I get into this? Should I not? And my next door neighbor's house in the house I was living in in college, it went up for sale. And in one day it sold. And I was like, oh man, I, I should have gotten into real estate and I could have sold that house. I'm like, but you know, what? I kind of brushed it under the rug. Two weeks later, the house next door to that house doesn't even make it on the market. It sells in minutes. And they was like, man, I just missed out on $12,000 of commission checks. This is ridiculous. What am I doing? In the meantime, I'm working in a restaurant. I'm a waiter. I'm making $12,000 a year. And I could have made $12,000 in you know two weeks. And so I'm like, what am I doing? So around that same time, my father, he actually handed me the purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read through it. And I'm like, this is amazing. And a couple weeks later, we were actually at an event and Robert Kiyosaki was there. 
And my dad and I, we saw him from across the room. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's him, the celebrity. And, you know, he kind of locked eyes with us and he started walking towards us. We're like, maybe he's walking to somebody behind us. But he walks right up to my dad and he says, hey, you're the assisted living guy. I got some questions for you. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because my dad, he had been investing in uh, single family homes and then he started investing in residential assisted living homes. And he had started teaching on how to do it and he had started making a name for himself. And so when I saw Robert Kiyosaki go to my father, you know, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe my father's onto something here. So in that moment, it was like, boom, I, I got to get in on this. So I said, dad, you know, how can I help? And what can I do to help the students? And so I actually went to one of the trainings that we do in Phoenix. And I just said, tell me anything that I can do. He said, just go find houses for our students. They need houses for this. So I just went out there and I tried everything and I'm calling everybody. And eventually I figured it out. And that's really how I got started in this space. And I started finding the right homes, finding the right businesses, finding what worked and what didn't work. And that was really my start into this space. And all the way up to where we're at now with uh, my wife and I, we specialize in selling these homes. Uh, we're the top you know, sellers of residential assisted living homes here in Arizona. And we're very proud to do that. Awesome. And I have had your dad on the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he spoke a lot about it. I think it was a bit over a year ago. I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was, it was a fair, fair time ago. But for all those people listening to the show who have no idea what you're talking about when you say assisted <laughs> senior housing, do you want to give like maybe yes. a, the, the 101 version course in, in, in a couple of minutes just to, to rewind the clock? Most definitely. You know, it's funny. I live in Arizona and people don't even know what I'm talking about. What is residential assisted living? So what it is, is essentially we've all heard of nursing homes before. And sometimes nursing homes are medical and things like that. That's not what we specialize in. What we do is residential assisted living homes. So assisted living is uh, someone who needs help with activities of daily living, cooking, cleaning, getting up and out of bed, bathing, showering, right? Not medical. And there's a lot of people who need that. So we kind of generically call it nursing homes. But, you know, why do we do it in a residential setting? Well, instead of it being a giant building and if someone's really slow at walking and they got to walk thousands of feet to breakfast and over here and over there, that's not really ideal for someone at that age. So with the residential assisted living, it's essentially a nursing home, an assisted living in a residential setting. So, you know, kind of on the number side, what that might look like, you know, in our homes, we have 10 residents in each home and the national average to be in an assisted living for a month is $4,000 each month to be in that home. So just using that as kind of a baseline for us, let's say we have 10 residents in a home, they're each paying $4,000 a month. So the home is bringing in 40,000. The expenses for that home on a month to month basis might be 20 to 25,000. So at the end of the month, that one home could be netting 10, 15, $20,000, depending on that particular month. So that's why we teach on it because when we were getting into it, my grandmother, she needed this type of service. She lived in upstate New York and we said, we don't want her to move into one of those big old nursing homes. We call it the big box. We said, we want something more personal, something with better care, right? Something that fits her needs a little bit more. And that's how we got started in this industry. And then people were just asking us, what are you doing? And that's how we started teaching on it from that standpoint as well. So many questions from that because it it, it seems like it's the, the whole idea is spawned out of a need mm-hmm. uh, for this type of service. So who, who was the, the founder, the pioneer? Was it your dad or was it someone else that, that said, hey, I'm going to convert these single family homes into... Um, these residential assisted living. Like, and, and I guess also combined with that, 
What are the legal ramifications of all this sort of stuff? Yeah, great question. So as residential assisted living has been going on for decades, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, and when my father first heard about it, you know, there was someone on the front of the stage and he was at an event and they said, you should get into assisted living. And my dad asked him, hey, can you help me? I want to get started in this industry. And the guy said, well, I don't do it. I just think you can do it. And, you know, it was like, oh, come on, you know. And so he started asking people for help. You know, he said, I want to get started in this. Can you help me? And nobody really wanted to share any information on the topic. And the people who did want to share information, you know, for free or things like that, let's just say their information was free for a reason. It was very expensive, free information. So when we were getting into the industry, there really was no one there to help us out. And my grandmother, like I said, she needed help. She needed assistance. So we said, you know what, let's start working on this. So we started working on the homes. And one of the things that happened was we had to learn from our own mistakes because there was no one else out there to teach it. So once we got the homes up and running, people were asking us, hey, you know, what did you do? And this and that, can you show me how to do it? So that's how we got it started teaching on how to do it. In regards to, you know, you said the legal side of things. And sometimes people are always worried with, you know, assisted livings. What happens if somebody falls? Oh my goodness, you know. Mm -hmm. But for those listeners um, that we have here today who have put someone into an assisted living home, usually the reason is, is because they go home for the holidays. They see mom, they see dad, and mom or dad has a fall. And if they weren't there at that time, that could be a nightmare waiting to happen. So they take them to the doctors. The doctor says, hey, you got to move them into an assisted living, or you need to quit your job and live with them, which isn't an option for everybody, or you need to hire someone uh, to live in that home with them, which can be very expensive. So at that point, they got to make that decision. So coming back to the original point, the reason why someone's in a home is because if they fall, we have someone there to help them. So we don't have medical malpractice insurance or things like that. It's not a doctor's office. It's not medical. Like I said, we're helping them out with activities of daily living. So we have professional liability insurance for a group home in a residential setting. It rolls right off the tongue, right? (laughs) It's about a dollar a day per resident, covers them, you know, 10 residents, 30 days in a month, you know, it's $300 a month, you know, but it's a line item. And so if somebody does fall, right, some people say, well, aren't they still mad and things like that? Well, you have to realize if someone's in the home, I told you the national average is $4,000 a month. If someone's in that home, And let's say that's the average. Let's say they're paying $6,000 a month to be there and they've been there for five years and they're 95 years old and they slip, they fall, they go to the doctors and two months later they come back to the home and they slowly start to pass away after being in the home for five years paying $6,000 a month at 95. You know, and whenever I go around the country, I always ask, I'll say, you know, let's say you two are brother and sisters, you know, how do you feel after that situation? And they go, well... Uh, you know, it's like mom or dad, they're in a better place, right? And, you know, $6,000 a month, that is not cheap, right? And I'm kind of surprised, you know, for us, when my grandmother passed, you know, I asked my father, I said, you know, how do you feel? And he says, you know, I feel at peace because I know she's in a much better place, right? Versus being here on earth, hey, she's in a much better place. And so that's kind of where we were at. But for the majority of people, that's where it is. Now, if somebody got mad, they could send somebody out and check on it. Um, but if what would happen there is someone comes out from social services, you know, they interview the people involved, what happened, what happened, what happened? They explain the situation. You know, we loved having her here. She had a fall, we took her to the hospital. You know, they interview, interview, interview. 
no negligence here and they move on, right? And that's what we have our insurance for in the very first place. So that's a little bit on that. But when it comes to assisted living, it's really one of those things that scares a lot of people. And one of the cool things about this industry is there's some barriers to entry. And those barriers to entry keep some of the competition out because some people go, I'm too worried. I, I couldn't ever do this. And it's like, that's fine. Hey, more for us, right? Because a lot of people don't realize until they're in the industry is not that it's not a big deal if something ever happens, but hey, that's what our insurances are for. And that's why they're in the home because they need someone watching over them in those times of need. So I hope that kind of makes sense there. You know, it, it definitely does. And and I guess it also... Um you can think of it like, are you looking for houses that have a certain, I mean, you, you made the example of 10 people in mm. a home. Yeah. But if it's a single family house, what has 10, what the hell has yeah, 10 rooms? Right. <laughs> and, and, Unless and think, it's the Brady Bunch house, right? Right. But also then like, you've got to think of all the amenities, right? So do, does every room have a bathroom? You know, do they need to share bathrooms? And I guess there is, a, it's nearly like a college dorm. I don't want to say that, but like it's kind of is like it's a, it's a sorority or a frat house. Um, in a neighborhood that is surrounded by other single family houses, right? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about the home, uh, when we talk about private rooms, private bathrooms, ideally more private rooms, private bathrooms are going to be better because it's an amenity. You know, it's kind of like, and I always give the example, if you went to a hotel tonight and I gave you two options, I'd say, we got a private room for $100 tonight, or mm -hmm. I can give you a shared room with a complete stranger for $75 a night, which one would you rather choose? And whenever I ask a room of people that, you know, it's like 95% of people say, hey, I want a private room, right? <laughs> and so when someone's moving in, uh, their mom or their dad, you know, they want them to have a private room, a private bathroom, but they're going to pay more for that. So that's one of the mm -hmm. added amenities like we're talking about. So ideally in our homes, we want more private rooms, more private bathrooms. So for us, you know, we did it. Um, there's three ways to get started. You can buy an existing business, which is one of the ways that we did it, we converted a single family home from a five bedroom, four bathroom home into a essentially a nine bedroom, uh, seven bathroom home. And then we have one that was more custom. We're just like, hey, this is what we're gonna do. It's just easier if we build it custom. And that was actually a 10 bedroom, 10 bathroom home. And so again, one of the things is when you have more private rooms, more private bathrooms, more space, you can charge a lot more. So I was talking about $4,000 being the national average. But the more amenities you start adding, I mean, there's people who in assisted living in this space, they're paying eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars a month to be in an assisted living. Now, that's not necessarily what we're focusing on, that part of the market, but we want to be slightly above average. And so that's a way that we can separate ourselves from the competition. And how do you, I know when I was speaking, all these things are coming back to me when I, when I interviewed your dad, but it was also about lo like location. Like where mm -hmm. are you buying these assets? Like where, where like just any random suburb or are they, tr like are you trying to be mm -hmm. closer to the family? Yeah. What, 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 what's the sort of criteria on that? That's a great question uh, because, you know, realistically we want to be where our customer is and our customer a lot of times is the children of the person who's moving into the home, right? The family. Right. And so the family, you know, let's say they live over here, you know, mom lives over, you know, a state next door. They, they want to move mom close nearby. And so you're going to want to be in those neighborhoods where, you know, people who are 60, 70, uh, they're living uh, and they have a good amount of income where they could pay for mom or dad to be in the home for four or five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars. Those are generally speaking, the areas that we want to be in. So more established areas, people where their parents are moving into these type of homes that's really what we want to focus on from that standpoint. And do you find that with the communal living aspect that it helps 
these elderly folks, um, they might be moving in from their own house uh, interstate into a shared communal living type of scenario. Does, does it does it have a positive effect? Do you try and link people up, you know, that could be compatible? Like, do you do any of that sort of like matchmaking or yeah. you just let them, you know? Well, that's a great, live? another great question, you know, and one of the big things is um, there was a stat that I just saw and essentially it said 90% of people would rather stay in their own home, right? So if, if mm-hmm. someone yep. is living on their own, they're in their 80s, their 90s, and they're starting to need the service, a lot of people don't want to leave their home that they've just been in. But as we talked about, it's very expensive to have someone come live in your home, take care of you and 24 hours a day. Um, there are services that'll do that, but it's about $24, $25 an hour on average to have someone come out, live in the home with you and take care of you. So that could be $10,000, $20,000 a month, plus the expenses of the house and food and everything like that. So that can be very, very expensive. So for a lot of people, they want to live on their own. And then we talked about the big box, right? You might be living with 300 strangers, right? And that's very overwhelming for a lot of people um, going from living on their own to 300 strangers. So what's nice is, is it's kind of that perfect medium, right? In between those, you know, we might have uh, six or 10 or 15 residents in that home. So it's some people where they can interact with them, but it's not so overwhelming. Um, the other thing that you said was, do we want to make sure it's the right fit with the people moving in? And that is definitely a big thing that we want. We want to make sure that whoever we're moving into this home, it's really like a family, right? And we want to make sure that family dynamic is going along smoothly. So from that standpoint, if someone's coming in and you know, they're, well, I want this and I want that and they're loud and they only know four letter words, you know, it might not be the right fit. For our right. home. And so we might recommend, hey, you know, you can move over to another home and they would love to have you, right? So we don't have to choose someone just because they want to move in. This isn't a tenant landlord agreement, right? We're giving mm-hmm. a service. This is a service agreement, similar to the idea of if I walked into a restaurant and, you know, I ate the food and they hand me the bill, I couldn't just say, well, oh, I'm not going to pay that. I'm a tenant of the building. I'm just going to live here and keep eating the food. They would right. kick me out on the street, right? They would like they would laugh, and then they would throw me out um, on the street comically. And you know, in our homes, it's a service uh, agreement. So if they can't pay, you know, we're going to work with them, you know, try to accommodate that. But if they can't pay, you know, we're going to help move them on to another home. Or you know, if they're not a good fit, right? If they're just like I said, they only know four letter words, and those are the only words they like to say. Or if they're just too much care right? If they're too high level of care for us, they need to move on to that next level skilled nursing facility. Then that's another reason why we could say, Hey, it's not the right fit. And we're going to ask you to move on. Now we're obviously going to help them move on. But that's a really cool thing about this industry is we can kind of pick and choose who we want to be in that home. Sure. The, you talked about skilled care. So what level of care are you giving them? And then the next question after that is how much, how many hours throughout the day are you paying for a professional to be on site Mm -hmm to help cook meals, to get them, to get the elderly bathed and maybe give that sort of sliding spectrum. Because I know some, there's the young retired who, you know, come 60, they're very active. They can take care of themselves. Yeah. And then there's the, the 95 year olds who, who are very bedridden and, and need right. that support. So, so where do you guys fall? Yeah, that's a great question. And realistically, when we talk about senior care, there's really kind of three levels. The first one is independent living, which is where someone who's 65 and older, that's where they live. Um, and they, Uh, are independently living. They don't really need a lot of help, right? That community might have roll-in showers, might have kind of a community center where there's some meals being prepared. There's someone taking care of the yards and everything like that. 
but they don't need any real care, right? It's just kind of a little bit extra. It's kind of like a very serious HOA, as I like to mm -hmm. describe it. The next level up is what we do is assisted living. So we're helping with cooking, cleaning, getting them up and out of bed, bathing, showering, activities of daily living, you know, things that you and I would do every day that we, we don't even think twice about, they need help with that. And so that's really where we are in that, on that side of the spectrum. So we have two caregivers on during the day in our homes, one on during the night. We have a one to five caregiver to resident ratio. And they're helping, like I said, with the cooking, cleaning, helping the residents. The next level of care is uh, essentially called skilled nursing. And so that would be medical, right? So if someone says, I need an IV shot and I need this and I need that, and that's a little bit too high level of care for what we do. So when someone moves into skilled nursing, that's much, much more expensive because the people on staff, there are nurses and doctors and things like that. So that's kind of that next level of care. You know, it's, it's very interesting because they have the sliding spectrum and understand where your niche is. Because I, I know it could be to the average layman listening to this show, I think, wow, that's a, it's, it's a lot of risk to take mm -hmm. on these people's family. And I'm sure you have your mousetrap set up in terms of where you bring in a, a tenant, they get to a certain age where they may need to go on to that skilled mm -hmm. uh, nursing and you, you, you handle that sort of transition into those houses. Will that be correct? Yes, we do. So someone yeah. came in and, and they were a good fit at first, but then as time goes on, they start to need more and more care. We're in contact with those families. So we'd let them know that, hey, we love having, you know, your mom or your dad here, but we think it would be best if they moved on to, you know, a skilled nursing facility and we would help them with that. So like I said, yeah. we're not kicking anybody out on the street. We're going to help them through that process uh, together. I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now back into the show. Talk to me a little bit about like I have elder uh, my, my dad, my grandparents, and, and unfortunately my, one of my grandparents just just passed away. But mm. he's in Australia, and the model in Australia, and, and I've heard it's somewhat similar here when you buy into a nurse. It will, and he has a it's a sliding spectrum, big community. You can come as as a um, uh, the the sort of the young retired as we spoke about. You have got your level that it can go to your level, and then you've got sort of in the manner, which is very much that skilled nursing. And I know when he he first went in with his wife, he bought an actual like a condo, like it was part of you know it was it was a fourplex, but they had like forty fourplexes, and you you know you're one of four families, and they were very independent, living their own car, and they had everything like that, and then so. And any appreciation that happened on that little condo over the period of 20, 30 years, um, the, 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 they'd, they'd have to pay their monthly dues or whatever it was. But then the, um, the, the, the community would take, I think it was 50% of any appreciation. Mm. Um, so it's very interesting, different business models. Yes. How is your business model different to what I just described, which seems to be more of the, the case when you've got to buy into a facility, right. that buy-in fee is, is used, they, the, the, the facility can use it for the next 25 years or however long, and then they may take some of the upside or whatever is appreciated over that time, plus they've got the monthly dues that, that are coming due, right? right? So what that is essentially is that's a CC, uh, CCNR, so a com continuous care retirement community is essentially what that is. So someone starts off in an independent living, then they you know, can move right next door into assisted living and then move right next door to the skilled nursing facility. So right. really they kind of have that whole spectrum 
laid out for someone if they just want to age in place. And that is a, um, a cool model that they have there. But yes, usually you buy into that community and usually it's not cheap, right? It's not right. 20 bucks. It's, it's hundreds of thousands sometimes. And so with us, it's a little bit different. Um, they come in, it's you know one price, it's all inclusive for what's included there. So that $4,000 a month, sometimes people go, well, wow, that's really expensive and things like yeah. that. But when you really start to break it down and you say, okay, $4,000 a month, think about your own expenses. You know, each and every month, you know, most people, 90% of Americans, right? Two to $6,000 a month is going to cover most everyone, right? Between mm -hmm. food, entertainment, uh, your bills, everything. But included on top of all that, these residents are also getting care. So they're getting their food, electricity, everything included in there. And it was funny, my wife and I, we were in one of our homes and we were walking through and we were like, it might actually be cheaper for us to move into one of these homes instead of living on our own. And somebody's cooking the food for us and doing our laundry. So that's pretty cool. So, but anyway. <laughs> it, you know, but, no, it, it, but he brings up a good point because I'm sure they're, I know that it sounds like you're trying to be that 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 medium in the market, right? You're trying to you're trying to really corner that. Well, where where that sort of more maybe more affordable? It's not as much of an upside. Do you have any programs? You know, because a lot of people who come to retirement age may have a little nest egg, or they, they may own the house that they live in. Mm -hmm. So can they sell the house and they can finance into your thing? Like, do you, or, or and I, I'm sure you have got your fair share of people who don't have anything, right? And they're just trying to their family's trying to pull together four thousand dollars a month. So, how do you help them with that? transition stage because i know that can cause a lot of stress financially on both the kids you know who are now adults and they're trying to feed their own kids their grandkids and now to take care of their their, their parents so yeah because that can be, can be quite a, t a challenging maze to, to navigate yeah well one of the things that you know we teach and uh, we educate on is even if you're just going to do one of these homes do it for yourself so that way when you get to that age and you need to move into one of these homes you can just move right into your own home and you can get paid to live in your own assisted living, which is a pretty cool concept. Um, but when someone is getting to that stage of needing assisted living, for an example, I was saying my uh, grandmother in upstate New York, when she was starting to get to that age, we're going, all right, we need to start planning, right? So we actually had one of my aunts take care of her in the meantime. And we said, okay, we need to sell her house and we need to liquidate all those assets because you know, you save up money your entire life. You know, we're on an investing podcast. That's what all the listeners here are here to do is learn how to save up that money, save up that money. So that way, when that day comes, when you need that care, that's what that money's there for, right? At the end of right. the day. So at this point, they're selling off their assets. The children are chipping in, helping out. And if someone absolutely cannot afford uh, assisted living, right? The family can't help. Uh, the resident, you know, can't afford it then the state will um, jump in and help out. But usually it's a much smaller amount that they'll pay. They're not paying four, five, six, seven thousand $7,000 a month. It might be $2,000 a month that they're paying. So one of the right. things with our business model, we want to make sure we're in the right areas where we have enough people who can afford to be in these homes and pay those, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 a month uh, with no problem. The other thing is as well too, as everyone knows with their own family, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we don't have money. We don't have money. And little Timmy, you know, breaks his arm and goes to the hospital and, Hey, we need $20,000. And all of a sudden, boom, they got the money, right? Or they get the money for the operation, things like that. This is a stage of someone's lives where, Hey, we need that money. We need to get it going. So all of a sudden we don't have money. Money all of a sudden appears because that person is in need. So it is a different part of uh, those people's lives. It's a, it's a tougher time. 
but people band together and they say, hey, we need to help mom, we need to help dad, and who can chip in, who can help out with this process. So usually that money does come from a number of different sources, but it's found when it wants to be found from that standpoint. Right. No, very, very, very interesting. Uh, you mentioned I mentioned in the, the introduction of the show that you and your wife help sell these mm-hmm. houses. Is, so so do, is there a life cycle of, of, of a particular house that you need to then on-sell it to someone else? Or is there a, mar- is there a secondary market for these things? There is. So when someone's in the industry, uh, many people who run these homes, for example, here in Arizona, we have 2,000 care homes uh, in wow. the state. And it's funny, like I said, when I tell people what I do, they're like, what is that? What is that? You know, but they've driven past hundreds of these before and they would never even know that they're there. It just looks like a totally normal house. Normal outside. And so when someone is uh, in this industry, there's really two ways to run these homes. The way that we teach on how to run these homes is much more hands-off, much more of a professional model where we have caregivers who are taking care of the residents. We have a manager who's overseeing the caregivers, overseeing the residents. And then the manager is reporting to us above that. So that's how we run our homes. That's how we teach on how to run our homes. So it's more hands-off and you can scale when you do it that way. Um, But a lot of people, what they do is they live in the homes, they work in the homes, they're the cook, the baker, the candlestick maker, they're doing it all. And the challenge with that is, yes, you can make money doing it that way, but you're really trading your time and your life for the almighty dollar. And as we know, that's not a good way to live your life, right? Money only gets you so much. You want your time, you want your freedom. So when someone is working in those homes constantly, they're working 120 hours a week, they need a break. And so at that point, uh, Beck and I, you know, like I said, we sell these homes. So we'd approach those owners and say, have you ever thought about selling? You know, we have students who are looking to buy these homes. And so it's a great uh, marriage because we can match those people up Mm. and Get a home sold, get a home bought, and you know bring those two uh, parties together. That's great. No, I think you've, you've got the education business down. You've got the actual execution of the individual businesses taking from a, a non-performing assisted residential assisted living house to a performing one and getting it up and operating. And then you've got the secondary market where someone's trying to do it themselves. It might be already really established, maybe a little bit of TLC is needed to the property and you can on-sell it to a student. So that sort of real life cycle ecosystem of the businesses, which it really makes my, I love, you know, get makes my uh, eyes brighten up because it's, <laughs> such, a, it's such an interesting um, ecosystem and, and having ecosystems in businesses is so important mm. for, um, uh, for, for success. And, and you do mention something that is, you have to learn, and I guess you guys would teach this and, and stuff that I do in my own real life. I'm not the property manager, right? Of my, my multifamily assets. You know, we have over 1,600 units. I don't, I'm not in the day to day. And so, you, similar to yourself, you have over 2,000. You're not, you're not, you maybe get an incident report if someone hurts themselves, but you have a manager that, that, that would manage that and an on site carer that would manage that issue, that issue. And then it sort of may, it may flow up to the top, but you probably aren't hearing on a daily basis the, the daily issues that go on between um, Mary and, and Steve. You right. know? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we have uh, three care homes within the family. We're actually expanding out to many, many more very soon here, uh, most likely here in the near future. Um, but within our homes, you know, our manager, they're the ones who are. I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but they're doing a lot of the real work, right? The hands-on work, right? You talk about the property manager, um, you know, you can be in Hawaii and they can give you that call and you can let them know yes or no, or I approve it or don't approve it and go from there. So it is a very similar setup uh, that manager is doing a lot more than what a typical property manager would do. Really, we're kind of overseeing the property, making sure everything looks good. Um, That manager is overseeing the residents, the caregivers, 
and then we're overseeing that business above them. Awesome. I love it. I really, really love it. Um, mate, I know I want to be very respectful of your time, but we're coming to the end of the show here. Do you want to dive into the top five investing tips? I love it. Let's do it. What is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Um, the big thing that I always try to do is work out every day. Obviously, I'm a wellness major. Try to eat right. You know, you need to fuel the body. Um, I always try to learn a little something every day. So whether I'm listening to an audiobook for 15 minutes or five hours that day, always trying to get something there. Um, always trying to work hard. So that way, when I'm done with the day, I can feel um, that I did my best. And then uh, I know it's not a spiritual podcast or things like that, but trying to get in the word and um, you know that spiritual side, um, trying to uh, always be connected um, from that standpoint as well. Awesome. No, I think it's really important to have your day laid out. And do you do anything on the business side that helps you tackle the day? Are you are you a, a Sunday night type of guy laying out the week or are you a sort of day-to-day type of guy? You know what? Um, it was funny. My wife and I, uh, we were talking about being proactive and reactive. And a lot mm-hmm. of times everything's coming in all at once, but it's really important to sometimes just block off that time and just reset. And then instead of being defensive, go on the offense. Um, from that standpoint. So today was a great day. You know, it's like I had the whole day blocked off and, you know, I got four hours. I'm going to be working after this four or five hours and it's going to be great because I'm getting all those things done in the future. So sometimes you got to block off that time and sometimes you got to do nothing and you got to just reset. And I think that's a big thing in our culture is nobody wants to say, I'm not working or this, that, but sometimes you just Mm. need to take a pause. You need to take a breath and have a moment with yourself and say, what do I really need to do? And am I really that busy? What are the most important things? So I think that's an important thing that more people need to do is just take a break, take a time, 10 minutes, one hour, whatever it may be. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And and being an Australian coming in, you know, Americans are very much go, go, go. Oh, you can't take two weeks holiday. You know, that's the, you know, we come from a country where they give us six weeks, you know, minimum. So, you know, it's that, it's that mindset. And if you're not being, if you're not going to run your business in a way that you're trying to free up your time, I had a lot of people on this show, obviously, you know, now 200 episodes of many, many entrepreneurs who've been successful, but that struggle, what you, you talk with exactly just there with being an entrepreneur, you don't want to let go of it. And, and because you love what you do, it doesn't seem like a job anymore, but you can run the risk of over an extended period of time, it can cause breakdowns in family members, with yep. your wife, with your husband, with your kids. And so being very intentional about how you set up your business and putting those blocks up and know that, hey, read or a manual not available between uh, 11 o'clock and three, and three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, that's, that's, that's just, you know, you got to get used to it. And it's funny how when you do put those blocks up, people adapt and they get used to it, yep. right? And it's just, it's, it's no, the phone, not everything is a fire emergency and you don't have to be a firefighter every single time. So mm. uh, it's, it, it's really interesting when you do actually go and implement that, how many things you do see are emergencies and how many things just go away. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really awesome. Mm. Uh, mate, what is the most, who, who is the most influential person in your career to date? Uh, that would definitely be my father. And I know he's been on the show before. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that one. Um, but he really exemplifies, um, working hard and playing hard, you know, growing up, I would just always remember seeing him in his office working so hard, but anytime I came in, he would give me that time and he would uh, always appreciate me being there. And then when I was gone, he'd go back to work and he'd work so hard, but when it's time to play and it's time to relax, he would relax. And so I think he lives his life to the fullest because he accomplishes everything that he can accomplish when it's time to relax and party. He knows how to do that as well. And, uh, you know, I, I really uh, admire him for that, for his hard work and his ability just to have a good time and just enjoy life and seize every day. 
Your family name, is that Italian? It is Italian. We're, you know what? We're from upstate New York. We moved out here to Arizona. You know, we're, we're not really authentic Italian. We're kind of like Olive Garden Italian, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I heard somebody say that once. I'm like, that's us. The, we're the, the Olive Garden the, Italian, you know? The, but, uh, they're, they're sort of faking it till you make it, that's right? right. Oh, there's, there's garlic <laughs> in there somewhere. Oh, it's somewhere in there. That's right. <laughs> awesome, mate. Uh, what is the number one tool that you have in your business uh, that helps you on a daily basis? Whether it be software, an app, or whether it be a physical asset, a physical tool, like a computer or a person or your phone? That's a great question. You know, there are so many um, amazing apps uh, that are out there right now that are helping and different things like that. You know, one that uh, helps me keep on track every day is Infusionsoft. Um, and, and although Infusionsoft is a beast of its own, it is very, very helpful. It can do a whole lot of stuff. Um, that would be one that uh, is really amazing to me. The other one is just Google calendars and just being able mm -hmm. to send my calendar to someone and say, I don't even know when I'm available, but I know when I'm available because this calendar knows when I'm available. So just book it and I don't have to think about it. And that's helped cut down so much, um, you know, wasted time of, are you available this time? Are you available at that time? It's right to the point because I don't have time to do that. Um, this is my calendar. Let me know if it works. If it doesn't, you know, then I don't have time, you know, and it handles right. that conversation for me. Right. Um, one question we have in this show is that you know, we talk a lot about success. Success is great and it, it helps paint the picture of from, from the outsider's point of view looking in. But I want you to think forward. You're, you're 70, you're 80 years old. You're, 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 you're surrounded by your grandkids. What is the number one failure in your life? And how do you summarize that in one sentence for your kids in order for them to not fail like you had failed in, in whatever that particular scenario was? I would say if I had to summarize in one sentence is um, work hard and uh, you're not going to be there tomorrow, but take the pressure off yourself. You know, what I mean by that is I think in life, everyone, whenever they pick something up, they want to be the best right away. Mm -hmm. And what they should be focusing on is just getting a little bit better each and every day. You know, whether you're starting way over here, or, you know, right at the top you know, we need to focus on progress and just getting a little bit better, even if it's, you know, 1%. I love that thing where it's, if you get 1% better a day, then you're 300, you know, percent better every year. And it's so true. Um, but it's just like anything. It's just like working out, you know, like I said, wellness major, you know, if you get one push up better every day, okay, in 100 days, you're doing 100 push ups, you know, and right. so that's what we need to focus on is, how do we just get a little bit better every day? And as long as we focus on that, we'll be just fine. We need to take this external pressure off that society says of you need to be the best right now. And if you're not, then you're a joke. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. We'll get there eventually. Worry about yourself, not what others are doing. Worry about focusing on yourself and just getting a little bit better each and every day. Awesome. No, I think that's exactly correct. And, and, and you summarize it really well. That, that one push up, it's such a, I'm also into fitness as well, but it's like that, that one extra push up a day and you buy a hundred days, you should be at a hundred push ups. That's right. Um, but it, it is so, it's so important that we're in this world of go, 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 go. And it talks a little bit about that, the blocking we just spoke about before about blocking time off to be intentional with the family members and, and, and your dad being intentional with you as a kid, um, work hard, play hard. Uh, but again, it also goes back to the, the, the run your own race this is a, we're climbing a mountain mm. and um, there's that really great, uh, I can't, I've got to stuff it up, but there's a great 
saying where we don't listen to the end of a song because that's the best part of the song. We listen to the entire thing because it's you get you get to enjoy the chorus mm. and the, the 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 ups and the downs yep. of the song, and that's exactly how life is. It's ups and downs. We're enjoying the song. We're enjoying the journey. And sometimes you do have to just take a stop when you're climbing the mountain towards success, whatever mm. that might be, and take in the view and see where mm. you've come from sure. because it is it is about reflection and it is about not having to go, go, go all the time because you'll come to a point in life where you'll never stop trying to achieve whatever it is and that you'll never be uh, at peace, I guess, uh, with yourself and, and the achievements that you have achieved. So it's it's always a, a, it, it, it's a hard process to do and it's a skill that is, mm. is worked on and it's a muscle that you've got to continue to train, but it's not necessarily a physical muscle. It's more between the ears mm. and uh, allowing that time to... Uh, to be to be to be present, and I think yeah. that's so so important, mm. mate. Um, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to get a little bit more in your, involved in your sphere. They want to maybe come to one of your boot camps. What do they do? Where do they go? Best place to go is rel101.com. Rel101.com or the residential assisted living academy.com. Both of those places are going to be the best place. Got plenty of videos for you. You know, learn a little bit more about the concept, and then set up a discovery call with us and then just find out if this is the right opportunity. Because just like with apartments or single family, fix and flip, wholesale, assisted living, it's not one's better than the other, one's right or wrong. It's just what's the right opportunity for you. So if it right. is the right opportunity, that's what that is there to find out. And if it is, that's great. And if not, that's all good too. But find out what that thing is and get after it because that's what life is all about. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, I think that you've created some, you know, really incredible thought bubbles for a lot of people probably listening on today's show. Um, but I want to thank you for, for dropping in. Some of the the takeaways that I took away from today's show, just to summarize, was just the ability to look at something uh, like residential assisted living and understand that there's a there's a higher and better use for it, right? Mm. Like. Yeah, the, the house might be worth a million bucks, but you put mm. 10 people in there or eight people in there paying all $4,000 a month. Like from a business point of view, it's bloody brilliant. Right. Um, it's also filling a need mm. in the market for the average person who can't maybe afford to go in and buy into a high-end home, uh, sorry, high-end um, nursing home with all the bells and whistles. And it also helps them, I'm assuming, get them closer to the family members mm. because they can be in the backyard or, or just down the street in, in, a, in a typical average looking residential neighborhood that you wouldn't have no idea is an RAL. Yep. So I think that is so, so important. And, and as our uh, population ages, um, it's going to be such a bigger and bigger need because there's a lot more pressure on the healthcare system. Uh, there needs to be more affordable ways in, in order to get the best care at certain prices. And I think you guys are doing a really great job and in being that mm. intermediary step between living on your own and full-fledged um, you know, nursing, uh, skilled nursing that you sort of spoke about mm. earlier in the show. Did, did I leave anything out? I, I think that that was it. And I love that, uh, you know, we listened to the whole song because I think that was a beautiful sentiment as well. So I completely agree with you. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you again for taking some time out of your day to jump on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Emmanuel. If you do want to get involved in any of the stuff that he is doing, remember to head over to ral101.com. There's a plethora of stuff up there to learn about, um, about residential assisted living. It's such an interesting space. Uh, I want to thank you all again to take, from taking some time out of your day to tune in to this show to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. We're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack.